and Josie. <laughs> Hola. Hola. So, this episode, we are talking about addiction and recovery because September is Recovery Awareness Month. And one of our community members, Mickey, had reached out and asked if we would talk about addiction um, for one of our convos this month. And um, why not, right? So I'm going to share a little bit of statistics about addiction and recovery first, um, just to kind of get a sense of why this is an important conversation to have. Because I think when it comes to addiction, we might feel like only the people who are afflicted with addiction um, are impacted by addiction. But these statistics will show just how many people that is, right? So over 2% of the world's population has an alcohol or drug addiction. Now, 2% sounds like a little bit, right? But when you think about the fact that there's like 6 billion people in the world, 2% of 6 billion is a lot. And um, 2020's statistic was that 11.8 million deaths in 2020 were drug or alcohol um, related. And that's what I just said. Eleven point eight million deaths are, are drug use or alcohol use related, and then about three hundred and fifty thousand of those deaths were directly from an overdose. So that's a lot of people, you know. And each of those people have a family, so it's not just three hundred and fifty thousand people or eleven point eight million people. It's eleven point eight million people and their families that were impacted by addiction. And um, also another statistic that I thought was interesting, specifically because of us and our age group, was that over half of the people that died from drug or alcohol-related um, complications were under the age of 50. Oh, so that's like young people, oh, you know? Um, and, and the statistic didn't get any more detail, but I can only imagine that a big chunk of those people are in their 20s, 30s, you know what I mean? Um, and finally, another statistic that I thought was important to share was that about half a million people are currently incarcerated for drug-related offenses. So that might be because they're an addict or because they were involved in the trafficking or sale, distribution. Just, yeah, distribution of illicit drugs. And so those statistics, I feel like they were important to start the conversation with just to kind of um, give context to the fact that addiction is not just about that person that you see on the street all the time that you think might be crazy, or you know that one random cousin that everybody knows is you know involved in that stuff. Like it's a big portion of our community. And it could be like, is the term high functioning addict? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's what you were. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we can jump right right in to that. So, you know, another reason or a reason why this conversation is relevant to us is that I have my own experience of addiction. And um, I'm so grateful that I found recovery and that I found recovery early. But my experience with addiction was real. And it was um, my, um, life altering. So I guess I'll just share like a Cliff Notes version but um, when I was 18, I, yeah, 18, I began a relationship um, with an addict. And of course, at 18, 
I didn't really know, you know, I I grew up kind of sheltered from that stuff. So um, it was a whole new world to me, um, being in a relationship with this person and, you know, um, my naivety mixed with my curiosity um, really created like the perfect oh, storm. Yeah, it created a recipe. My naivety mixed with my curiosity was the perfect recipe for disaster. <laughs> for disaster. <laughs> so um, my my experience was that, you know, because I was dating this person, he introduced me to, to drugs, um, crack cocaine specifically. So prior to that relationship, of course I drank, you know, because in Bermuda, we drink, right? So, you know, I had been drinking socially. Um, I had tried weed before, um, but crack is a whole different um, thing. And so um, he introduced me to that. And um, no matter how strong you may think you are, no matter how, um, I guess, smart you are, once you're exposed, like once you experience um, such a highly addictive substance, it has the potential to take over your life, like, you know, and so for about two years of my life, um, I was, actually, I would say probably more like three years of my life, I was living a double life, so, like, when I was away in school in the UK, you know, I was fine, I was doing, you know, what college students do, but when I would come back to Bermuda, I was definitely living a double life, and I was, you know, getting high, I was running the streets, um, you know, participating in things. Um, my addiction took me to a place of obsession and compulsion, you know, um, there was a period in my life where I was obsessed with getting high, and it was, it was partially because that's the nature of drugs, drugs get you addicted it feels nice to get high, like if you keep it 100, right? But when you have underlying um, issues that you wanna escape, it fuels you to continue participating in that behavior. And I definitely had a lot of underlying you know, issues. I had childhood trauma that I didn't even know. I, I, at that point, I wasn't even able to identify as trauma um, that I wanted to escape. I also had, um, like you talked about being high functioning, you know, having such high expectations set for you can also kind of set you up to want to escape as well. And so I think for me, um, dealing with those things and then being in the situation where I had access to drugs and where I was hanging around people that lived that lifestyle, um, it made it really easy for me to get caught up in it. And so you know, without getting into like play by play detail by detail, you know, um, I I lost myself in in that lifestyle and I started to not care about anything else besides my boyfriend and getting high. And by God's grace, you know, um, God removed that person from my life because I definitely didn't have the courage to end the relationship. And in removing that person, God also made a way for me to like move out of that lifestyle altogether. And I found recovery at age 24. 
So for me, from about 2021 through to 23, um, I was actively using drugs. And um, this is probably the first time I've talked about it like this. People know it's not a secret. Um, but yeah, that three-year period, I was actively using drugs. And I, I, I don't consider myself an addict, and I guess I can get into that later. Um, but during that period of my life, I was definitely addicted to the lifestyle, to the person, and to the substance. And um, I'm so grateful that I found recovery. And I'm very passionate about being able to provide opportunities for recovery to other people that are suffering mm-hmm. with addiction. So that's why this conversation is important to me personally, and I think by extension, important to Selena and Chelsea because they were affected by that period of my life, you know? Um, so I don't know if there's any that you guys wanna share. We never really like sat down <laughs> and yeah, talked yeah, like, about this. Maybe you were nervous. <laughs> you know, and know Chelsea and I, we've talked about it like a little bit because Chelsea and I were so close during that time and Selena, you were still away in school. So um, I think Chelsea might have been impacted more directly um, by it. So Chelsea and I have had some conversation about it, but I know that it impacted you. I know that it impacted everyone because my family loves me. So to see me and to know that I was making the choice to engage in that behavior, I know it was disappointing, and I know that it caused you guys pain. Yeah. So, um... No, definitely. It's, it was really hard to see, but then, you know, we had just spent a lot of time together as well in university, because um, when you were out there, I was out there. Yeah. Uh, like, first year, you were out there, and then second year. I believe you were so. out there. Yeah. And then, um, or part of my second year, because you yeah. started your masters and then and then yeah, I had to come back. Yeah. Then. Yeah. So um, it was hard to watch it all unfold, but um, one moment really sticks out for me, and I think I can never forget. And I don't really remember, but it was during the summer, so I was back home from school, and I was sleeping on my mama's couch, and you woke me up because you were coming and you were like lounging around, and I woke up and said, "Mommy." Oh, I do remember, because I would spend a lot of time with your mama at that time. At This was when she was living next door to your granny, right? Yeah, and I could yeah. tell, I could just tell that you had been using. Right. And there was somebody outside waiting for you. And if I was trying to talk to you, you were like frantic. And then you said you wanted to speak to my mom, but then, like, when I went to wake her up, I came back and you were gone. Yeah. And I probably wasn't expecting you to be there. Like that probably caught me off guard. Yeah, maybe. You know. So that, because that was the one and only time I really saw you. Yeah. Die because, like, I mean, I saw you were, you know, how functioning. You would literally disappear, get home, come back and be normal. Yeah. Yeah. And Definitely. we never really saw you in that state. And that was the only time I remember seeing you like that. And I was crying after you left. Like I felt so bad. I I didn't know what to do. I didn't. My mama was upset that I wouldn't want to wake her up. But I was just like, well, I felt like she needed help. Like, I didn't know what to do. Um, 
Rihanna actually shared that with me, like how it affected you, but I remember that because there was a period of time where I was spending a lot of time around your mom because like, I guess shame and guilt, I didn't, I wasn't spending a lot of time at home and with you guys, but your mom and I had a relationship where it was open and honest and I felt, I guess I felt safe to, to be around her, you know? Um, so yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Um, I see. <laughs> I feel like this is like a delayed intervention <laughs> conversation. <laughs> She listened. 
we we, we have to, to go. go. <laughs> and then she literally like dropped me off and like drove right. off. And I First of all, like, I couldn't face your daddy. And like just you know, full disclaimer, I did have you in an environment that you shouldn't have been in, but during those times we weren't using. Like this wasn't during the times like I don't I keep almost saying his name and I'm not gonna say his name just because I don't wanna say his name. But um he had bouts of um time where he was clean. So you was around us and it wasn't the best environment because he wasn't the best person to be around, period, clean or not. Um but we were not using. So just just to be clear. But I was being deceitful because my parents didn't want me around him whether we were using or not. Like, it didn't matter. So, um, we weren't using, but I still couldn't face your daddy because I knew that I shouldn't have had you with me around him. Like, I knew that, period. You dropped me off and bone. I dropped you off. Daddy was saying, it was like that man where there's like, there's men talking, there was men yeah. yelling. It was that, um, Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. Um, I, I think I got my phone today for three weeks, and the, the hard thing was I had it, but I couldn't use it. <laughs> and then I literally believe we were trying to be like the end of the month. To see. I was so terrified. I, anyway, so anyway, that's kind of how I felt. So I kind of took that betrayal real, and that's when we kind of stopped speaking. Yeah, because I just I took it personally. I was just as you should have. Yeah, you know what I mean, because I was wrong, you know, and. And the thing about addiction, and I think I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna emphasize this. Um, we focus on addiction of substances, right, and sub- mm-hmm. substance abuse, and that's a huge focus, and it's a huge part of addiction. But I was addicted to something else first. I was addicted to love. I was addicted to the person and the way that the person made me feel Mm -hmm. before being addicted to a substance, before, you know, even experimenting with the substance. Right, and so I think that it's something that we don't talk about as much when we talk about addiction and recovery. Um, Addiction can be totally um, unrelated to a substance. Yeah, it facts, like, I know for me, I don't know if addiction is the word for me, but affirmation, feeling validated, wanting, desiring that, yeah. and compromising standards to receive that. And that manifests itself in so many different ways. Eating, emotionally eating, being addicted to the way eating makes you feel. I know I'm heavy as I had gotten up to almost 200 pounds and I had a very unhealthy relationship with food and it was more so the feeling of, you know, so addiction, the, like, like, it um, comes in so many, it comes in so many forms. But what causes you to be addicted to something is it triggers certain chemicals in your brain, right? And so feelings, you you can be um, in a, addicted to social media. Yeah, like you can be in, uh, let's say, a relationship, and that person. Um, activates certain chemicals in your brain, endorphins, and you feel good when you're with that person. And so then you literally become addicted 
to the person because they trigger that chemical reaction in your brain. And so drugs, like the actual substance, alcohol, does the same thing. Also, exercise triggers it. So there are things that you can be addicted to that actually can be seen as healthy. Like if you're a person that you know loves to exercise and loves the way exercise makes you feel, and you like you know you exercise every day, multiple times a day, it's an addiction. But because it doesn't have a negative impact on your life, it's not it's seen as an addiction. It's a healthy lifestyle, and so I think that's important because there are a lot of people that are struggling with obsessive and compulsive behaviors mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with a substance and they'll they may never realize that they need recovery because the um obsessive and compulsive behavior doesn't manifest in illegal activity or um, activity that hurts mm -hmm. other people you know and so recovery for me i'm so grateful i'm actually grateful and this may sound you know crazy to people, but I'm grateful for that period of my life because it brought me to recovery and now I have the opportunity to recover from so many things that I may have never even been aware were issues mm -hmm. in my life. Um, and had it not been for that time and that experience, I wouldn't have found a 12-step program that introduced me to a new way of living. You know, so I don't look back on that. Of course I have regrets. I totally regret the way that I hurt my family. I totally regret some of the things that I did, you know, um, in that time of my life because it impacted my life greatly. Like I didn't know that I would ever get my life back on track. You know, it, it made my life harder. Like this is Bermuda. So I thought that people, and even me sharing this now is a huge, um, it's a huge step because in Bermuda, Bermuda can be a very unforgiving place. Yes. And so my life, because now we're, we're 11 years on, you know what I mean? Like I've been in recovery for 11 years. So my life has changed dramatically. And oftentimes we are um, kind of inclined to keep that stuff in the past because you don't want to remind people of that time of your life. You don't want to remind people um, of the bad things that you've done. And so you distance yourself from it. And I have distanced myself from it, but I haven't distanced myself to the point where I forget how important and how pivotal that time of my life is to who I am today. Would I be this person today without that experience? Absolutely not. So I, I'm grateful for it, but I'm still deeply, deeply hurt and humbled by the fact that I hurt other people. Um, and I think a really big part of recovery is this, and just recovery, all aspects of life to include is forgiveness. Definitely forgiveness, definitely. I, mean, um, I know I didn't speak to you for a couple of months. Is this free freedom, free pieces? Because it is this. <laughs> I you didn't even speak to your mama for some I, yeah, just because you had a drug, I felt hurt. But um, we had actually talked about this when we were talking about the father's conversation. How yeah. I called the house one day and probably like, have you reached out to Renee? I was like, Renee? <laughs> and he was like, you know, trying to see, we need to love her more in this period because if, she, if she's seeking that love in the spaces that hurt her, you know, we have to 
they created a love where she, she, she used to be, and I was like, where she needs to be. Like, her family should be in the safest space on this planet. And his words really resonated with me because despite me feeling hurt, like, I love you. Like, you were still my, my aunt. Am I saying my aunt and sister? Yes. <laughs> in my experience, it, it really did. I just wish I could just save you somehow. Like, I didn't know what to do, but it really just made me want to do what I got to eat to. Like, it definitely, it made me want to be there for you just one more time. And I'm so blessed with that. Like, having met other um, recovering addicts, other people with similar experiences, they didn't all have the kind of family that I have. And, you know, my experience with addiction or with substance abuse, because I've been addicted to food, I've been addicted to, you know what, I'm not even going to go on that route, but I've been addicted to other things besides substances. So that period of substance abuse, for me, was short in comparison to a lot of other people, most people, you know, most people, two, three years, you know, and it just, it just kind of reinforces that I was more um, addicted and more caught up in the person and the lifestyle because once the person was removed from my life, um, within months, the lifestyle, yeah, yeah, I, I got pregnant with um, Skylar, my oldest son, and so, of course, that gives you uh, Again, a like reason love. to pause. Yeah. Like, I feel like shame, guilt, you know, Bible thumping, those kinds of things don't transform hearts. Like, love mm. is the only thing that transforms. And it was a love outside of yourself. Like, you love your maternal child so much. You wanted to create an environment that would be safe. Yeah. And it's that Definitely. love that probably gave you strength that you didn't that, that I didn't know that I had definitely like I remember when I got pregnant with Scott I wasn't using so I had stopped using before getting pregnant but it was a very short time before like it had only been like a couple months and um I, I got pregnant um and I remember when I found out I was pregnant I was like oh my goodness <laughs> like I my life is a mess like you know but I never once thought of terminating my pregnancy or anything like that because I think deep down I wanted something else to live for and occupy my time with. But I remember when my mommy told mom, your daddy, that I was pregnant. And according to her, because she, she was totally friendly to me, um, he said, well, maybe this is what she needs. Like, maybe this is what she needs to, like, really snap out of it because I had you know several times where I wouldn't use for weeks or months and then out of the blue something would happen or me and the boyfriend would get back together and I'll disappear so I think my family was all like happy that I wasn't using but not too happy because they had seen this before so once I got pregnant with Skylar that was permanent like that was it like I'm not going to use. And I actually didn't even drink alcohol for four or five years. And you're not here anymore. Yeah, I didn't drink. Like, once I got pregnant with Skylar, like, everything stopped. Um, and, you know, that's divine intervention for me because all those years, I never got pregnant. Because God always knows what you need. Like, what you need. And it's like, he sees the bigger picture. And it's so, I saw this quote in heaven. It's like, when we get to heaven, one day we could ask God the questions. We will see why the things that we wanted that didn't work out didn't work out. We 
traumatic or tragic or like this could be the worst case scenario end up being the best thing you needed because yeah. it all seems to be the perfect one. Definitely. And that's a perfect place to end, I think. Just Yeah, well before we end, I do wanna just for the benefit of anybody watching that um may struggle with substance abuse, um, or maybe you're not sure if you struggle. Because that was another thing for me. I was always like, this is fine. Like, I just get high with my friends and I go home. Like, you know, until it started to compromise my values. We talked about values. Um, until it started to make me do things that hurt people that I love. Um, be honest with yourself. And if you think that you might have a problem, there's really no shame in that admission. Like, um, for me, it was so hard to admit that one, I was doing what I was doing, and two, it might be a problem and I might need help. And so if you're watching and that might be where you are at, if you know that you have a problem or if you're not sure, um, there's no shame in just seeking help. And um, in Bermuda, finding recovery can be a challenge, right? Because Bermuda's small, like I said, Bermuda's unforgiving a lot of times. And sometimes the services that are available for addicts are hard to, to um, get into. You know, you don't have a facility where you can just walk in off the street and say, um, I'm an addict, I'm struggling with addiction, I need help, and they take you that moment. You have to go and have this assessment and that assessment. And for an addict who is in active addiction, if you have a moment of clarity where you know that you want and need help, you yeah you need to you need to get help in that moment because for some people addiction is physical some drugs for me my addiction was not a physical it wasn't like where I wake up and I'm sick and I need drugs it was always a choice it was always like I am gonna choose to get high today because I like the feeling of getting high I wasn't sick but some people are physically dependent on the chemical and they need help so if that's you I, I want to encourage you, even if you want to reach out via Crockpot Converse, I can help you, I can assist you in finding, um, you know, the best way to um, get help, um, whether it's by going into a treatment facility, I can introduce you to a 12-step program that literally changed my life, um, or I can just chat with you, you know. Um, I want people to know that recovery is possible. When I look at my life, like, there are things, like during my addiction, people didn't trust me with money, you know what I mean? Because when you, when you use drugs, it, it costs money. So, you know what I mean? People didn't trust me with money. And today, literally, I manage my parents' money. Like I remember maybe eight years ago, my daddy um, gave me his online banking credentials and I started paying all his bills. And I remember thinking like, wow like recovery is possible because there was a time where my daddy would hide his pouch because he didn't want me to be tempted to steal his money to go and get high and now i live a completely different life like recovery is absolutely possible um we've already talked about faith and so however you may identify with a power greater than yourself that power whatever name you call it um god can like Totally transformed. Can I add to that while we're on that? Yeah. Like I literally want to tell you guys, like Jesus, like Jesus loves you. Like God loves you in this moment. Like it does, like literally, if there's nothing that you can do to separate you from the love of God, 
the loves you as much as is ever gonna love you right now in whatever moment you are. And confession can literally just bring you into the agreement of what God has predestined you to be. And you can walk out the life he created you to have. There's no guilt, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Those thoughts of condemnation, guilt, and shame does not come from God. He's got any words of love for you, and you are, he only sees you as son or daughter or kid. He loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. And there's nothing that you can do to change how much he loves you. All he wants you to do is receive that and believe that. And there's no guilt and shame with Christ. No, no, nobody tell you different, not the church, not the society, not the community. Not, like, we are not, we, our lives are the product of our choices, but who we are, our character, is not defined by our choices because all we have to do is make one different choice to have a totally different outcome. And for me, that's so big because I literally just made one different choice every day. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not going to participate in that lifestyle every day. And that was more than just not using drugs. It was not being around the people that were um, perpetuating that lifestyle. You know, I make you make a different choice every day. And so, you know, recovery is available to you. And if you're a person that may know someone that is struggling with substance abuse, if you have someone in your family that is struggling with substance abuse, my experience is that love goes so far. Um, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for the loving family that I had. And they loved me. They gave me tough love when I needed tough love, you know, but it was always love. And I always knew it was love. And I always felt that it was love. And love that person in your life like love the addict in your life love them to the point where they want to change their life because they know that they have a loving family there ready to embrace them and so many people out on the streets participating in addiction feel like they have no other choice because no one else in their life loves them or accepts them and that's a lie but those of us who have the opportunity to love someone who is still struggling um, we sometimes um, forget how impactful that love is. Like Sherry said, be kind. Yeah, be kind. be kind. It's like even the community, because you spoke about family members. But you know, you may see a homeless person on the street, and you automatically judge or oh, I'm not giving you money because you're just going to go use it to buy get your next high. But it's about loving those people too and being kind to them as well. So thank you, Nikki. Um, she and she, I know she wouldn't mind me sharing this. She's a recovering addict, and um, she does a lot of, I think, quiet activism on this. You know, especially for women who are struggling with addiction. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to Nikki. Keep doing what you're doing. It makes a difference. You know, um, and 
Addiction is a community issue. It's not an individual person issue. It affects everybody. It affects families. It affects, um, you know, it, it has such broad impact. And so I want to encourage everybody to kind of um, give it a little bit more thought. Donate to recovery-based charities. Um, you know, be kind to people who are struggling. Um, and just know that collectively we can make a difference um, and we can help people. We can, we can help people to find recovery and find a new way to live. You know, um, no one should have to die in addiction. We don't have to die in addiction. Recovery is absolutely available. And um, if anybody, you know, is a, I guess, example of that or a testimony of that, is definitely me. I have a thoroughly like, sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget that that was even a part of my life because my life is totally different. Um, Thank God you don't look like what you've been through. Yes. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, and so I want to encourage you that um, you're just one decision away from a healing life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's our chat for today. Yes, there's the pot. Thanks for stirring the pot with us.